Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us honor, better, faster, stronger. That's how long I've been on ya. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Aloha and welcome to Hit the Bell with me, Matias Burbell. Big show lined up for you guys today, man. We just don't stop. I feel like I say that every week, but today we have three guests. We're stacking up the show. UFC 291 is due up, and that means we have to set up a big show. And right off the bat, we got Sports Grid Zone, Brian Ciano, a.k.a. Mafia from Pharrell Coast to Coast, joining the show today. We're going to get his best bets and start to break down this card. <laughs> All around the gambling aspect of it. And Mafia is going to give us his best bets and more. Can't wait to have him on, man. It's been long overdue. But Ciano jumps on. Hit the bell and I'm pumped. And then, yeah, buddy. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. UFC welterweight who takes on Michelle Pereira this Saturday. Big time fight for Wonderboy. Big time fight for Michelle Pereira. I wonder what's going to go down, man. It's on the pay-per-view card. Steven is 40, and he's fighting in his 20th UFC fight. He's aging like fine wine. He's a dangerous fighter, but he's taking on Michelle Pereira, who's a very dangerous fighter. A guy who has a lot of different forms of martial arts, and a guy who could take you down in any fashion. The guy's a powerful, powerful fighter. Steven is going to have his hands full, but... That's just what the, that's the name of the game, baby. That's just what happens. And Steven's going to be bringing the heat, and I can't wait to chat with him on Hit the Bell. That's coming up, too. Also, Ben the Bane Davis. Let's go. He has been on fire around the MMA world right now. So I had to get him on Hit the Bell. We have to get his best bets. We have to get his picks, and we have to chat MMA with Ben. Ben is the lead play-by-play guy for Anthony Pettis FC, Empire MMA, Flex Fight Series, the guy's the man. You guys could hear him on UFC Fight Pass, you know, every other week, it seems like. Man, he's always on the MMA scene. The guy's lighting it up. I can't wait to bring his energy on to hit the bell, man. With that said, we move on. The guest list is on fire. And you know what else is on fire? UFC 291. But you know what else was on fire last week? Yeah! Tom Aspinall gets the fight done real quick. It'll be done! In one. Yeah, Tom Aspinall finishes the fight in round one. This heavyweight is a guy that everybody needs to keep an eye on, man. This guy is climbing the ranks. He's coming back from an injury, and he made it look super, super easy. And for all those who know, man, when you come back from an injury, it's never you know, easy to get back in there and produce the way that Tom Aspinall did against an opponent like Marcin Tabura. 
You know, this is fun stuff from Aspinall. Keep your eye on him. Also, I feel really bad for Molly McCann. She got stuck in a nasty, nasty arm bar. And uh, Julia Stoliarenko did not pull out on time, man. She should have. I feel like Molly tapped long enough for Julia to let go. Truth of the matter is, she was looking at the ref to stop the fight. And that is the name of the game. You look at the ref to stop the fight. You don't stop the fight. If the girl taps, you stop the fight when the ref tells you to get off. And that's what Julia did. Julia is 11, 8, and 2. Yeah, when I say 11, 8, Eight is a big number, you know, 11, 8, and 2. There was no way she could lose this fight. And when I think back to it, if that was me, I guess I got to break your arm until the ref pulls me off too because the last thing I need is me letting go of your arm and then the ref saying, oh, keep going, keep going, when I had the fight won. That would be devastating, and that's just what you have to do. Nathaniel Wood, Andre Feely, one of my favorite fights of last week, just unreal. You know, the heart for both guys. I got a feel for Andre Touchy-Feely. I feel for him because he was devastated after his loss last week. But at the same time, he lost that, that third round. I thought Nathaniel Wood brought a little bit more pressure in that third round. Very, very tight third round. Don't get me wrong. But, at, you know, final minute and a half, which always leaves a great impression on the judges, Nathaniel Wood lands some clean shots. And that's why he wins. Simple as that. Round one goes to Nathaniel Wood. Round two goes to Andre Touchy-Feely. Round three is tight. But Nathaniel Wood does a little bit more than Andre and gets the victory. That's the name of the game. We move on. Paul Craig. Wow. Another victory. But I said he was going to win by submission. I've told you guys that Craig Davis, uh, that I've told you guys that Paul Craig knows how to win a fight from his back. And I don't, he didn't win the fight from his back this time. But psychologically, I kind of think he did. I, I really do. When Muniz had top position for the amount of time that he had top position for and he didn't really do any damage, that told me everything I needed to know about a guy who thrives in that position. The fight went on for a little bit longer after that, but Craig only grew more confident as the fight grew along and Muniz only gassed more and more and more and Craig just did what he does, which is suffocate his opponents. If that's from the top, if that's from the bottom, it doesn't matter. He imposes his will on you. Paul Craig gets the victory. Welcome to the middleweight division. Paul Craig, dangerous, dangerous fighter. That's what happened at UFC London last week. The London cards are always badass. Can't wait to see them go back to London. Big news coming into the UFC from Bellator, actually. Michael Venom Page has been all over the screens around the UFC. He's all over MMA Twitter. He has been rocking it. MVP most likely will be going to the UFC, which is nuts. You know, this guy is an awesome, elusive fighter who a lot of people are going to love. You know, this guy's a fan favorite type of fighter, and it's going to be so cool to have him in. I bring him up because we're going to talk to Steven Wonderboy Thompson later, and he's a welterweight. MVP's a welterweight. I want to see this fight happen really, really bad. Man, Karate Masters, uh, woo! That is a fight to watch, man. MVP has an, has an awesome karate background. And, and if he was able to fight Steven Wonderboy Thompson, who is also a master in karate, that would be so cool, man. It would be Karate Kid Part 6. You know, Mr. Miyagi, Daniel LaRusso, stand up! Let's go! All right, guys, all that and more is coming up on Hit the Bell with me, Matias Burbell. But up next, Brian Ciano, a.k.a. Mafia from Pharrell Coast to Coast, joins the show. Y'all stay tuned. We're going to be back right after this. And with that said, best bets and more. Mafia's going to tell me who he likes between Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. He's going to give us his best bets, best ways to win money. I know that he has inside scoops. All that and more on Hit the Bell with me, Matias Burbell. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. What's up, fight fans? Welcome back to Hit the Bell with me, Matthias Burbell. Man, we are on fire today, and we're going to keep bringing the heat because Brian Ciano, Mafia from Pharrell Coast to Coast, is on Hit the Bell with me today. What's up, Mafia? How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. Happy to be with all of you. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, excited for this card. It's going to be some awesome fights this weekend. Yeah, well, it's going to be a damn good time, man. I'm glad I could finally get you on the show. It's been long overdue, and we get to get some of your best bets today. UFC 291. The card is stacked. You know, I don't want to say from top to bottom, but for for us hardcore fans, that's what it seems like, man. When I start going down the list of this card, there are so many good fights. You know, from the early prelims to the prelims to the main card. What do you have cooking up right now, Mafia, for UFC 291? What do you like right now? Yeah, you know, it shows you how good this card is when the uh, you know the black beast Derek Lewis. I know he's on a, a bad streak here, but when that guy is on the prelims and on, you know, one of the not even the main prelim, it shows you that you know this is a stacked card. This might be even better than the card that we had a couple weeks ago after International Fight Week, which is always the one they load up. But I mean, this card with these guys, these names, you know, it's it's great. I, I love the Poirier Gatchi fight. These are two guys that just duke it out every time they put on that performance that you come for that you pay for you know when you, these prices of these pay-per-views keep going up and up and up you need those fights that are going to deliver and these guys are always going to do that i mean i don't love this whole bmf belt i thought it was ridiculous when they created it but still you know it gives them a little something extra to, to go for i guess uh i mean uh, then you have you know Pereira moving up. You have Wonderboy Thompson. Anytime he comes on, it's an exciting fight. And then I feel like you have a, a fighter get out of town fight in Ferguson and Bobby Green there, where a loser leaves town here because both these guys have been on some streaks here. Ferguson, it's like, just why do you keep doing it at this point? The, the guy's just holding on, I feel like, too long because he was amazing. He was awesome, one of the best in the division, one of the best bo- you know, pure boxing guys you've seen in the UFC over his time being here, but he just doesn't seem to have it anymore. But like you said, this is just an awesome card. Nah, man, I love it. And the fact that you even bring up Tony Ferguson, you know, right off the bat, that's why it's so stacked, man. That That's early on the main card. Michael Chiesa, Kevin Holland is also on the main card. We actually start off the pay-per-view with this fight. You know, interesting fight. You know, a, a wrestler, a grappler, and Chiesa taking on 
Kevin Holland, who's a favorite in minus 150. But if, as we've seen in the past, anybody that has a great takedown efficiency and a guy who's a good wrestler seems to be able to to beat Holland. You know, that's always been Kevin Holland's weakness is can, is can he keep this fight standing and, and you know and stand and bang because that's his best chance on winning any fight that he's in unless he's fighting a top-notch striker. You know what I mean? But this is not the case with Chess. Chess is a guy that can keep you down, hold you down, get a submission, gas you out. It's a bad matchup, I think, for Holland. But at the same time, it's good for people that want to bet on this fight because plus 125, Michael Chiesa, I think is looking pretty good right now. What do you think, man? Would you like Holland or do you like Chiesa? I mean, I don't love either guy. You know, this is a tough fight to pick because, as you said, they both have, you know, they're, they've had their streaks. They've had their runs where they look great. Chiesa, you know, was getting, you know, title contention, title chances, and then, you know, he still never has really gotten that extra level, I feel like. You know, he, he's an incredible grappler, but I always, you know, watch those hands, and it's like, have you really worked on that enough? Because, you know, if you got that extra dimension, he could have been so, you know, dynamic so tough so i really just don't feel like he's ever really gotten the hands to where they need to be to be one of these top guys i i get with you with holland saying that you know a lot of times he has troubles against guys that'll grapple that guys that'll do that to him what i worry about though is that extra length that he's going to have on kiesa because colin does have a black belt in bjj so it's not like this guy doesn't know what he's doing on the ground at all he seems to struggle in that during fights because obviously he wants to stand and trade but I think that extra length that he's going to have on Kiesa could be something that you know drags us out. I feel like this could be going to a decision uh, because if you have that you know, extra half a second to a second to react when a guy's trying to take you down and smother you because you have you know four, five, six inches of length on him, then it makes it easier to defend that, especially when you have a guy like Kiesa where you're, I don't think Kevin Holland's really worried about his takedowns. When you're fighting some of these other guys, you know, against a guy like Chemaev, yeah, you still have to worry about his hands too. Against Michael Chiesa, I think there's a lot less worry with that, and you can kind of focus on stuffing those takedowns more. Maybe throw some, you know, more knees when this guy's coming in. So I'm leaning towards Holland. It's not my best bet of the night for sure. I'm a little surprised that it's you know as big a favorite as he is. I, I would have. Maybe thought like maybe 115, 120, not all the way up to 150, 160. But uh, you know, I think this fight, if you're gonna look for something, it's more of uh, you know along the lines of how it ends. I mean, I think you get great value on will it go the distance? It's only a three round fight. You know, if you don't get tapped out, if you got the takedown defense, even if you lose to Michael Chiesa, and, you know, because he smothers you on the ground. You're getting plus money, you know, plus 200 on points, plus 210 on, on yes, on FanDuel at least. I think that is the way that I would play it more so than uh, just straight up. We are talking to Brian Ciano, a.k.a. Mafia. You could hear him on Pharrell Coast to Coast, and you can follow him on Twitter, on Air Mafia at On Air Mafia. Man, it's a good time, and I'm with you, Mafia. I'm, I'm with you right now, hardcore. The decision sounds nice. This fight going to distance sounds nice. Man, and again, first fight of the pay-per-view. Derek Lewis isn't even on there. He's on the prelims. And the thing that caught my eye today at the media day was Derek Lewis coming out and saying that he passed out in his previous fight during his weight cut right before he had to weigh in. He cut too much weight. He ends up passing out. He calls it a very scary situation. And what I could read off of him, you know, when he was describing this story was that it actually was truly, truly scary for him, like a life-threatening thing. Sometimes these fighters just kind of wave it off like, hey, you know, I passed out. I can't fight. And they're all pissed off because they can't fight. But Derek Lewis, you know, this is not his first time in the barn. This isn't his first fight. This isn't his first weight cut. And he finally got to experience something crazy. 
you know, and something unhealthy. We know what shocked me was that he actually was able to fight in his last fight because it happened at the UFC at the UFC PI. But I also wonder how that affects him coming into this fight, you know, psychologically speaking. We haven't seen Derek Lewis look himself for quite some time. And here he is coming into this fight against DeLima as an underdog. Some people are saying, oh, I can't wait to take Derek Lewis, you know, as an underdog right here. But, you know, I want to take caution to that right now because, you know, I just don't know what I'm going to get from Derek Lewis. What do you think, Mafia? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the chin has not looked the same. You know, that was the biggest thing with Derek Lewis while he was facing these guys that were facing more talented overall. You know, this guy was a, he comes in as a brawler. You know, it's not a guy who usually has the best takedown. Although, I could say he doesn't have the best takedown defense, but he looks pretty good in that first one that Curtis Blaze tried to pull on him. But still, you know, this is a guy who, you know, you talk about ground being your kryptonite that was his you know when you fought guys like cormier and some of these other ones it was all about if you keep it standing and trading you know you could pick him apart for five rounds all you want eventually if he puts his hands on you he might knock you out you know that's i like alexander volkov who just picked him apart for five rounds and then got dropped by him still uh, or three rounds just before that was only three round fight but just before the end of that one you know 10 seconds left he drops him it was his chin holding him into a lot of these fights. Now, as you're getting dropped, you know, uh, in two of the last three fights, or three, in three of your last five, you're getting knocked out. It's, it's how is that chin right now at his age? It's all that battle and, you know, those pummelings keeping up, you know, catching up with him. He still does have that knockout power, though, that one punch power that you have to worry about. And if uh, Delima wants to take that chance and stand with him, that might be, you know, it could work out for him. Obviously, he has a lot of knockouts himself, but that always is a danger. So, you know, if you're getting him at almost a, a two-to-one underdog, not the worst, but to take a shot at it. But, you know, I agree with you that the years of pounding he has taken now uh, make you question if that chin can hold up to some of these bigger shots. Uh, no, man, I'm with you. But, you know, the best way to code this fight is also probably taking, you know, the under, right? Take going with the under in this fight. These fights don't seem to last very long, especially if Derek Lewis is in that octagon. Right now, yeah. that under stands at minus 195, depending on which book you're looking at. Obviously, not a great price to pay, but maybe if you try looking into round one, do you think this fight goes past round one, Mafia? It definitely can. Uh, both these guys have that power. Both these guys have ended early. But like you said, if you're going to try to find value in this fight, I mean, I, I wouldn't put you know a, a huge bet on it. I don't even maybe put a whole unit on it if you get the better odds, you know, good enough odds for it. But you know, the only way you're going to find good odds is to go with something like that and take a chance on maybe you know ending in the first round or ending in the third round. It's got to be one or the other. I don't think you can go for that second round or you know the one and a half things like that because. You're not going to get the best odds, so you got to play it one way or the other. Either you you sell out for the early finish, or you sell out that one of these guys can last a little longer and you get to the later rounds. But you know, obviously, the odds are more towards the early line with uh, these two guys both having some good knockout power. We are talking to Brian Ciano, aka Mafia. You can hear Mafia on Pharrell Coast to Coast Monday through Fridays on Sirius XM One Five Nine and on Sports Grid Radio Networks. We are talking UFC right now. UFC Two Ninety One. It is going to be lit right now. And man, the fight keeps going on and on and on. Steven Wonderboy Thompson, Michelle Pareda. Uh, man, this is a good fight right here. Pareda doing backflips in the cage. Who knows what we're going to see from Pareda? You know, it's a guy that you can't trust, but it's definitely a fight that everybody wants to watch. You know, the guy is a fan favorite. You know, if you do not know who Michelle Pareda is, it's easily, you know, it's easy to become a fan of his, you know, right off the bat. He's elusive. He's exciting to watch. He fights with personality. You know, but if if you're a betting man, you kind of want to hang him because I, I you know I, I still can't get his fight when he fought Tristan Connolly. 
and I, and I see him doing backflips in, in, you know, before the walkout. I see him doing flips in the cage. He's trying to do backflips onto Connolly. It, it was crazy. He ends up losing this fight, and I think he was like a minus 500 favorite going into this fight. He should have won that fight, but ever since then, that will always stay in my mind, Mafia. And now he's fighting Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you know, a guy who you can't mess around with, and you always have to be ready, you know, at, at all times, because we're talking about a high, high-level striker, karate master. You know, the list goes on with the accolades behind Stephen Thompson. What do you like in this fight? Who are you taking? Yeah, and you know, if you're going to talk about Steven Thompson, first of all, you can't just say his nickname. You got to sing it. You got to pull out, you know, Tenacious D and go, Wonder Boy. And don't worry, you know, Jack Black's voice isn't great either. So even though I just butchered that, it's not that bad. Not that far off the uh, usual. It always feels odd calling a guy who's almost 40 Wonder Boy as well. But still, uh, I mean, this guy seemed to have a resurgence right now. You know, as, right when you were about to write him off, uh, he started coming back with some nice wins. I know he had the back-to-back -back losses there to Burns and Muhammad, but, you know, these are two guys that are in the top of the division. Uh, he came back with that good stoppage against Kevin Holland. He's not his peak form, but if you're going to mess around with him like you talked about with Pereira doing, he's on a nice five-fight win streak. But, you know, the names that you're looking at, aren't exactly ones that, you know, in the household knocking you over. You know, Nico Price, okay. You know, Ponzibio, okay, but, you know, split decision. You're not sure what you're getting with him. It's not the most exciting, you know, not, not the most definitive to me. And if you're going to be a guy that goes to decisions like he has been in the UFC, the first fight, of course, was a, the, the flying knee KO, exciting. Last four, all decisions. If you're going to take that chance against Wonderboy Thompson, that's not a one you know, the chance that you want to take because that guy will pick you apart. He will do what he needs to do to get the win. He's not the guy who's going to go chase the victory and leave himself open to a knockout. He's going to fight safe either way all the time. So I like Wonderboy. He is the favorite on this one. I mean, on FanDuel, the better way and probably the only way to play is maybe to play Wonderboy by points of plus 145 because they're shading it to go all the way. 164 is, you know, for the, the going the distance, the total rounds two and a half minus 215 for the over. So the only way you get good price is to go straight up method of victory and i think both these guys no matter how it ends this three rounder probably goes to points that's how they have it shaded for both guys so i'm if i'm gonna go wonder boy i gotta go by decision plus 145 because it's not worth it for me to bet the 160 yeah buddy and i love how you started singing the wonder boy yes i love it man i love it mafia absolutely decision plus money for stephen thompson to take the victory man that, that's a great bet right there i'm loving that for sure absolutely you know and, and yeah he's not gonna finish predata nobody could finish predata unless he finishes himself you know with his gas tank so a good point right there well done mafia absolutely right there man we move to the co-main event after jamahal hill relinquishes the belt due to injury because he tears his achilles you know now here we get this fight jan blahovitz taking on alex predata his first fight at, in the light heavyweight division and the last time we saw somebody come up from the middleweight division who was a champion to take on Jan Blahovitz, that was Israel Adesanya. And it did not go his way. Jan figures out how to take that fight to the ground, keeps it on the ground, wins the fight via decision, does it the old Jan Blahovitz way, which is figuring out how to win fights. He's been doing it for so many years against top, top level opponents. You know, is Jan the play here? Should we be cautious of... Pereira going up and wait to fight a hammer, a Polish hammer, like Jan Blahovitz. What do you think, Moff? Yeah, you know, as much as I want to try to convince myself the fight's going to be different, I just don't know how, you know, I see this playing out any other way than what we saw, which is the fight that you brought up when you know, Adesanya brought up and went up and wait and tried to do it. Now I know that obviously Pereira is, you know, going to be taking this differently. I don't think Adesanya really 
you know, handled that the way he should have. You know, he really didn't put on weight. He kind of just figured, hey, I'll just go around my walking around weight. I'm too good for this guy. And just thought he was going to, you know, pick him apart and end up knocking him out like he did against Costa. Blahovitz, you know, is a smarter fighter. And he just smothered him that whole fight. And it was a boring fight. It was a terrible fight. And I don't know if I see it going a different way than this one. I mean, people were talking about, you know, all the weight that Pereira put on, you know, that Anasanya fight. After, you know, of course, weigh-ins. But everybody does that. Everybody cuts, you know, a ton of weight. The guys, I've seen guys go from 170 at weigh-in to that night, you know, they're posting that they're up at 205. So this is nothing new for any fighter in the UFC. Blow, it's going to go up in weight, too. He's probably going to be 210, 220, 230. Like he's going to be somewhere between 220 and 230 by the time, you know, they get to fight night. So he's going to have extra weight as well. So I don't know, you know, how I see this being different. I think he's going to be smart. I know his last fight was not exciting. It was boring. You think, is this guy even... You know, want to do this anymore when he had that split draw against Ankalaev, which was for the title as well. You know, how can you not get amped up and want to have a good fight when it's for the title? But still, I just don't see it being any different than the way he fought Adesanya because it worked perfect for him. And you know what? We saw Adesanya smothering Pereira on the ground in that first, uh, that well, the second fight between them, the one before this last one at 281. And then all of a sudden he gets knocked out in the last round. But he was dominating with the grappling. So if he can do it, why isn't Blahovich going to do it? I like him to win that fight. Uh, you know, minus 130 is not a bad price either, considering you, you want him to do his thing. And I really love him by points of plus 350 because he's just a smart guy. And, you know, maybe he can get the ground and pound knockout. But I just think he's going to play it safe and play it simple and just try to smother him until the you know that last bell sounds. And that's plus 350. Man, I remember when... Blahovitz, you know, I clearly remember him because I remember losing money on him when he fought Nikita Krylov, you know, years ago. And right when this fight started, you know, it, Krylov was a monster, you know, the minor Krylov, you know, the way that he stands, the way that he banks. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Alex Pereira just because of his stance and, and his fight style with his kicks and, and the way that he uses his hands and the length that he actually possesses. And I just remember the second that Jan had the chance to try to get him to the ground, he suffocated him and he just took him to the ground and it was almost like an anaconda. He slowly worked his way and into a choke and he submitted him and it was just so slow. You know, I don't mean slow as in it took him three rounds. I just mean slow as in it so took patient. him a minute. Yeah, exactly. He slowly worked his way in like a snake, you know, slowly, slowly just becoming tighter and tighter and tighter to the point where he where he found his way to the perfect spot and submitted him. And, and Krylov just couldn't move, you know? It's like a guy who was paralyzed. I, I wonder if Blahovitz does the same tactic to the, to the point where if he takes him to the ground, you know, what's Predator going to do? I, I don't think he's going to be able to do much because this isn't a middleweight trying to keep you down. You know, now this is a light heavyweight. You know, I, I think Blahovitz by submission might be the play here. And, and I'm feeling pretty good about it, and, and I like that it's kind of under the dark right now. Nobody's really talking about it right now, Moff. It definitely could be, and you get good value with that. That's over five to one. I mean, you can get some great value on that if that's you know the play you want to go, or you could even try you know to do a, a double play. You could even get submission and points together at you know plus one eighty, plus one ninety, depending on what book you're looking at. So it gets you a little more juice, you know, and it gets you. Uh, you know, a better chance, obviously, with two out of the three ways that he could win. So that's that could be a good play. Or even if you, you know, are worried about maybe he gets some some good grappling and takes him down and smothers him a couple rounds, and then all of a sudden, you know, Pereira just lasts to an 
the bell, and then the next round gets up and somehow catches him. You know, you could even try different ways, like an over, you know, two and a half rounds at plus money as well. There's a bunch of different ways to play this. I, I could see it submission. I, it's not the worst bet for sure, considering how long this fight is. You know, so if you want to go straight submission, you get great odds. If you want to take a little bit more chance and say submission or points on a double chance, you still get you know some really good odds as well. So that could be a great thing to throw in the mix. I like your point there. We are talking to Brian Ciano, a.k.a. Mafia. He is on Pharrell Coast to Coast Monday through Fridays on Sirius XM 159 and through Sports Grid Radio Networks, guys. You can follow him on Twitter, on Air Mafia, at On Air Mafia. Man, this guy is spitting out the deals left and right. I'm loving it. I'm loving his confidence. I'm loving his energy. And you know what? I'm loving every single play that he's giving me right now, guys. I'm writing it all down, and I'm ready to rock with Mafia's picks right now. Hell yeah. We move on to the main event, the BMF. Jorge Masvidal is going to be in the building. He's going to wrap it around either Dustin Poirier or Justin Gaethje. I do believe that Masvidal is also even going to maybe want to fight them. You know, I, I have a feeling we're going to see some crazy Masvidal antics after this fight. But forget Masvidal. You know, this is about Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. Dustin Poirier, a rematch with Justin Gaethje. He's 1-0 against them. And when we're talking about rematch fights with Dustin Poirier, he's 3-0 in all of his rematches that he's had against Max Holloway, Eddie Alvarez, and Conor McGregor. I almost forgot about the last one because that's the most popular fight. How could I forget? But I think he's actually going to make it 4-0. I know people are thinking Justin Gaethje is this new fighter after he beat Fiziev. And he did fight that fight with a lot of discipline. And I love that fight. That's one of going to be one of my favorite Justin Gaethje fights simply because of how lethal of an opponent Fiziev was. But at the same time, you know, we're talking about a boxer, a lethal boxer in Dustin Poirier who strikes when the time is right and who just wins fights, you know, with key octagon IQ discipline, man. The, the guy knows how to protect himself. He knows when when to strike. He knows when, to, when where to pop. His accuracy is just lightning fast. And I think he actually wins his fight in similar fashion, man. I know it's going to be a crazy fight, a scary fight, but this is where Poirier shines, in my opinion. You know, when, he, when he's fighting a guy who's not Charles Oliveira or, or a guy who could smother you on the ground, who could take your neck. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love... Gachi is a fighter. He's been one of the most exciting fighters in the last decade plus in the UFC. He always puts on a show. And I, I love the way that he's grown up as a fighter. You know, for ever it was just i'm going to stand and trade with you and i'm going to beat you fit, you know to a pulp before you beat me to a pulp now over the last couple of years he's grown up he's realized listen i don't got to take the beating to get the victory you know i can still pick you apart smartly i can look for my options i don't need to just stand in the middle of the you know the octagon swinging with you so you know that's been great for him and i think it's given us some even better fights at times from him you know the brawls are always fun but i think the technical fights between two great stand up strikers can be even more entertaining and more uh, fulfilling in a way. So I love him, but I don't love him against Dustin Poirier. You put him in just about anybody else in that division, I'm taking him every time. You put him against the Diamond, uh, he's shining bright like a Diamond. We've seen him beat the best of the best except for the upper echelon. I mean, this is a guy who, if he was in a different era, probably would have been the lightweight champion and held it for a long time. I mean, yeah, of course, he had the interim title. But, I mean, I think... If you put him back when you know, uh, you know, BJ Penn was ruling this division, I think he could have beat Penn and been, you know, had this title, you know, in his prime. If it was, you know, when Frankie Edgar had that title, was fighting Gray Maynard, you know, if he was at his prime, he could have taken that title when he had Khabib. He couldn't get past him. Oliveira, you know, Makachev, those are guys that are just that extra little bit that he can't beat right now. But against everybody else, 
he just goes right through them, you know, over the last decade or so. He's been amazing. And watching his growth as well, you know, he, he did the same kind of thing where, you know, he realized how to fight smarter, how to fight better, and it's been great for his career. And I think he gets this win. I think it's going to be an awesome fight. Of course, there is always a chance that uh, Justin gets a KO, but I'm not banking on that one. I'm banking on the guy that I've seen come through time and time again. Uh, and I think either way, this fight does not go the distance. Uh, I think there's no way this goes five rounds with these two guys. There's just too much uh, excitement and power. And if you're Poirier, too many other different ways you can win. You know, we've seen him take guys to the ground and smother them. He has that great submission game. He doesn't always go to it right out of the gates. But I think, you know, obviously Poirier minus 160, minus 55, wherever you're, depending on what you're getting it, is my play for the straight up win. I think it doesn't go the distance, so they're obviously agreeing with that the book. I mean, on FanDuel, minus 280, no, it doesn't go the distance. So you got to find a better way to play even that. I'm going with, I would think, the maybe the under 2.5. You can go either way on that one. That's sitting right on the fence. It's tough. It's minus 122 for the over, minus 104 for the under. You get a little bit more value on the under, and I kind of like it going a little shorter than longer. But... If you want to play the other side, I don't hate that at all. And the one I really love is, obviously, if I don't think it's going the distance, that Poirier by KO, TKO, or submission. That's plus 115. That's my best play of this fight is that I think that he wins one of those two ways, and we don't see all five rounds on this one. Oh, I love it. I, I love that last play. Absolutely. Poirier to win by either TKO or KO. Rocking with that. That's definitely my favorite play for sure. I'm right there with you, Mafia. We agree on some things and we disagree on some things, but that's what the best part of MMA is, man. That's why we watch. That's why we watch sports and that's why we get to see it. And the best parts are sometimes, man, is when I'm wrong and I'm wrong and it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. But at the same time, I love it because it just makes me more excited afterwards thinking it's like, this is why we, we watch. This is why we can't figure it out and this is why it's just like the best part of mma man it, this card is 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 one to remember because truly it, it's up in the air with so many fights and you know am i wrong it feels like every, the last couple of pay-per-views that we've had is it's fireworks you know the odds makers are in trouble but the matchmakers have been on point yeah absolutely and i mean even uh some of these fights i mean last week even i just paid views i mean last week that absolute type card i mean i'd not expect aspinall to just come out guns are blazing and you know coming off a year of knee injury to just come out right away and knock him out quick i thought that one was going over the one and a half but you know he puts on a great performance gets himself really entirely contention as he should be so you know puts his name out there I got burned by that, but you're like, oh, wow, that's that's awesome for you. And then, I mean, like, hey, who would have thought Paul Craig would get a knockout victory? You know, anytime that guy's involved, you, you don't think knockout TKO. You think it's going to be on the ground for, you know, the whole fight until it's over. Somehow he gets the finish. So, you know, like you said, you get frustrated sometimes when you don't get the victory, of course. Anytime you're betting, you want to win. But sometimes when you lose, you're like, man, I did not see that coming. And you can still be surprised sometimes. That's when you lose with a smile on your face, and that, that happened to me with uh, with Robbie Lawler going uh, taking down Nico Price in my face. You know, I was I, I bet against him, but I gave him a standing ovation walking into the octagon, and I gave him a standing ovation walking out of the octagon mafia, and I lost a bunch of money on it, but I didn't care. It was just like. Uh, you know, a jubilation. It, you know, it was just fantastic. You know, the, the emotion I felt for Robbie that night was was incredible because it's just like, man, the journeys, the memories. How could I be such a fool to make you know to think that you know what you're gonna suck on your retirement fight when the whole building is there for you? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, uh, that was a good matchup for him and Nico. I stayed away from that one because of the, you know, the aspect of it, you know, going out on your shield type of deal. You know, I thought that obviously Nico was a, a little bit better in his career, not that he's on a hot streak right now, you know, that where you're anything that's bowling you over, you know, he's a solid fighter, more in his prime, but you always have to worry about that, that, oh, this is the last fight, the last hurrah, you know, win one for the Gipper type of deal, what can you pull out of the bag? And we saw what uh, Ruthless Robbie Lawler did, and I was happy for him because, you know, that's a guy I've watched forever. You know, that's a guy that I, I loved watching, not even just the UFC, but, you know, in Strike Force back in the day when he was, you know, getting some great knockout victories there. So I've always enjoyed watching him fight. He's always brought the fight, and it was uh, tough to see him go the way he was doing the last couple of years. I thought that he should have retired a couple of years ago, but I'm glad that he actually went out with the victory and uh, proves a lot of people wrong. Man, we could keep talking MMA. We could keep talking all sorts of fighting. We could keep talking bare-knuckle fighting. We're going to get you on again ASAP, Moff. And again, fans, we are talking to Brian Ciano, a.k.a. Mafia. You could hear him on Pharrell Coast to Coast every single Monday through Friday on Sirius XM 159 and on Sports Grid Radio Network. And also follow him on Twitter, at On Air Mafia. Hey, Mafia, thanks so much for joining Hit the Bell, man. It's been a blast having you on. And honestly, I can't wait to have you back on so we can make some more money. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. What's up, fight fans? Welcome back to Hit the Bell with me, Matthias Burbell, another fire MMA fighter joining our show today. And he's fighting at UFC 291 this coming Saturday. Hell, and it's time, man. Forget the wait. Let's let's rock it. Let's get right right into it. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Woo! That's right, Steven Wonderboy Thompson, the karate master, is on Hit the Belt today. Welcome to the show, Steven. It's a pleasure to have you on, man. Pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me, brother. Oh man, I'm excited, man. You know, when I when I found out that I was gonna be able to interview you, I was I was ready to rock. I was ready to put on my karate kid suit. I was ready to put on my uniform. <laughs> I was ready to jump in that octagon because literally you've done it all from the TV to teaching kids to being a contender in the welterweight division to fighting the best names in the welterweight in the welterweight division at 40 years old. Man, 
You are a special, special human being, man. And you know what's crazy? You're always so nice. You're, you're nice all the time. You're nice after you lose. You're nice after you win. You're nice after you fall off your bike. Are you ever not nice, man? What are you not nice? Come on, don't lie to me. <laughs> man, I, I, I'm, I'm always nice unless, you know, there's Chris Wadden will tell you this, unless I'm like, you ever been to a movie theater and that one person behind you is talking the entire time? Oh, That's hell. the only time that I get upset is when that happens. But, you know, I mean, inside, outside the octagon, I always eat everybody up with a smile on my face, man. I got, you know, 800 kids back home that watch every move that I make, and I want to set a good example for them. And uh, I love just do. I, I'm just blessed to be where I'm at, to be honest with you. I'm happy to be there. I love how you just use that example of somebody talking behind you in a movie. I'm a movie guy. That's why I laugh. I, I'm a big movie guy. I love watching movies. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a TV series guy. You know, Grey's Anatomy, all that stuff. I don't do that. But I do do Cobra Kai. You know, that's one thing that I did do is Cobra Kai. And I know, and I know oh, that you were go. actually in Cobra Kai, man. I promise you, Stephen. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a TV guy. But and when I, when a TV show does stand out to me, you know, Cobra Kai was one of those shows. But as you know, Karate kid the movie came out in the 80s you're an 80s baby you know were you a karate kid guy man how, how did that come along with you actually even getting on the show cobra kai because you're a karate master as well you teach like you like you said you teach a bunch of kids you know that this is all in your wheelhouse man it was a perfect selection selection to have you on the show man dude yeah dude i mean you know of course being born in 83 karate kid was my jam it was everybody's jam back in the day you know what i mean and when and I remember after the movie, every because my you know we we run a family martial arts school in, in South Carolina, and I remember uh, when that movie came out, everybody came flooding in. And what was cool was that Cobra Kai when it came out, it did the exact same thing. And to be a part of Cobra Kai as well, uh, being on the show, I was supposed to have a bigger fight scene, but they decided to film a fight scene during the the week I was preparing for a fight um, in Vegas, so I couldn't be on it. But they kept me in as a cameo. It was really cool um, just to see you know, karate coming back, you know, for a long time there, especially in the MMA world, karate was kind of looked down upon. And, you know, Leo Tobanchita was kind of my inspiration to bring back the karate and be able to show that inside the octagon has just been, just been uh, a pleasure and uh, being a part of that. So it's, it's karate's in man. Karate is where it's at. No, karate is where it's at, man. I, I took Taekwondo <clears throat> when I was a young kid. Yeah, I know it's not karate, but when when you talk Taekwondo and when you talk karate, there's a lot of similarities. To very similar. Art. Yeah, very similar. But, you know, if, if you talk to the purists, they're going to say, oh, well, this is not this. This is not that. And, you know, there's always differences. But in my opinion, very, very similar, like you just said, man. And, and it's form, you know, it's patience, it's breathing. There's so much things that go into into both martial arts. But that's why you are the fighter that you are today. You know, that's why you've been winning fights at this at the age that you're at today. Your work ethic, man, it all comes together for you, man. And the crazy thing is, you bring up Leota Machida. You know, I was able, lucky enough, to interview Leota Machida in uh, when he came to Hawaii in about 2019 for for his Bellator debut. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be so awesome to interview him. And everybody's asking him all the questions all the time, like, why don't you retire? You know, the age to retire. You know, you're getting beat up. Why don't you retire? And it was so cool because he just told me, man, if you love what you're what you do. You know, why should you retire? You know, for his example, he gets back in the gym and works on the things that he needs to work on to improve himself in his lifestyle, which is martial arts. It's, it's not a job. It's a lifestyle. You know, he doesn't want to quit because he wants to see if he's getting better every single time. And eventually, you know, if he just keeps getting beat up, 
you know, to a pulp, then yeah, he's going to retire. But at this time, like, it was not time. You know, his goal was just to get in there, work on his mistakes, improve in his next fights, and just love what he does, which is his job. I'm not going to ask you anything about retirement, bro, because you're facing Michelle Pereira at UFC 291, and you're 40 years old, and you're still kicking ass. But do you, do you kind of take that same exact, you know, approach to the damn thing, which is look at the tape, see what I didn't do correct and improve on those things. Even if you even if you fought a perfect fight for 98% of the time, do you notice a 2% that didn't go right and get in the gym and go fix that for the next fight? Oh, 100%, man. If you're not always evolving, then you're going to stay the same. Everybody's going to figure you out. So you got to keep moving forward. You got to keep, uh, keep your opponents guessing by keep evolving. And even if I win a fight or lose a fight, we always go back and see what, I've, what, what I could have done better. So I think with that mindset, and not just that, but bettering oneself whenever you're training, I think that's one of the things that's kept me going is trying to be the best person, best fighter that I can be. Um, and uh, I think that's what keeps me motivated to be able to go out there and do what I got to do, you know? So me being 40 uh, has nothing to do with it. I feel in my last fight, I felt just as strong and fast as I did 10 years ago, it's a training that gets you, you know, so you got to be able to take ample time off, keep your body healed up, ready to rock and roll. Hey, well, you've been doing it for a long time, man. UFC 143, you know, it, what a, what a walkout for you to go to UFC. That's when you go into the UFC and now we're at UFC 291. You know, this, what, what is it? Fight number 20 for you, bro. That's crazy. You know, do you ever look I back know. to the journey? Do you ever look back to the journey, you know, from from 143 to 291 and, and think about all the different opponents that you had, you know, pretty much everything that goes through the, the journey itself, the blood, the tears, the, the ACL injuries, the, the, the sprained wrists, the kicks in the heads, the, but the whole deal, man. What do you think of the most when, when, when you look back to your career? Man, it's just been awesome, man. I've been blessed to be a part of it. And this and the people with me has been really, really cool. But uh, to be honest with you, I didn't know it was my 20th fight until somebody said something like yesterday. And I was like, what the heck? There's no way I've been, this is my 20th fight. I've been in here for a long time. You know, being me being the, the oldest fighter on the card, too. I'm like 11, 13 days older than Jan Blahovich. So I'm the, I'm the veteran on the card, which is pretty cool, too. But I'm going to go out there and put on a show for everybody this Saturday, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, you always put on a show, man. Every single time. You know, I was still talking to my buddies the other day, and we're talking about you, you know, showing up to fight when you took out Johnny Hendricks and, and just the style that you did it in. You know, people are like, oh, who's this guy? You know, who's the, who's fighting Big Rig? You know, the guy, nobody wants to fight Hendricks. And you go in there and you just smother him from every angle, man. It, it was the spinning kicks, the accuracy. The elusiveness, the energy that you fight with, just the flow the whole time, it's special. And honestly, I don't think that you've lost a beat, man. I, I still think you're the same guy that wants to go in there and kick ass every single time. But at the end of the day, is this, is the goal still to become a champion right now? I, I think you're still a couple fight, like maybe a fight. If you win this fight in stunning fashion, I think you're right in the mix, man. No doubt. But at the same time, uh, is that realistic for you to the top to, you know, for real, for real, is that realistic? Or do you kind of just want to get the best names you could possibly get and increase the bank account? Nah, man, you know, the gold is always at the front of my mind, man. I think after a good win with Michelle Pajeda, they give me some money in the top fight and we're looking at another title shot from there. So it's always at the front of my mind, always at the top of the list, getting that title. Oh, you got me heated up, man. Absolutely. Uh, so you have championship aspirations in your mind right now. You're thinking about gold. This is some Rocky stuff. 
This is some Rocky Balboa stuff I'm hearing right now. And you know what? Rocky always wins. And, and that's what I'm <laughs> feeling. It. I'm feeling it pretty good right now, man. I'm feeling really good about this, Steven. Absolutely. Rocky, Rocky Balboa, let's go. But question for you, man. You know, Rocky Balboa had his creed. How does Apollo creed? You know, longevity, battles. We've all seen the movies. We know we all know that Daniel LaRusso has his Johnny Lawrence rivalry. You know, the whole deal. Who's your Johnny Lawrence? You know, because you're obviously Daniel LaRusso. You're obviously Rocky Balboa. Who's your Apollo Creed, man? Man, my Apollo Creed, dude, that's a good question. There's so many good guys out there. It's 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 tough to just to pick one, my man. Um, I think that's something the fans should should pick out because I have no idea who, who that is. You know, I mean, there's so many good guys, good teammates, good fighters <laughs> out there. It's so hard to pick. That was a good question, though. It's all it's all good, man. Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna say Tyrone Woodley, and I only say you were gonna say Tyrone Woodley because you've been in in the you know in championship fights with him multiple times. And uh, you got to work alongside him on Cobra Kai. You know, what are the odds of that, right? Like, how did that all come together just like that? So I, I actually thought it was going to be Tyrone Woodley because it just seems like you guys are so cool now. And after you fight a guy multiple times for a championship belt, usually, you know, that doesn't really happen. Similar with Rocky and, and Apollo, right? <laughs> 100%. You know what? That's a good one. Yeah, dude. I mean, we had some epic fights, man, especially that UFC 205 card. And be able to hang out with him and at Cobra Kai has just been awesome, man. Uh, we frequently talk with each other. So, yeah, I guess he would be the, my Apollo to, the, to, 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 to my Rocky. You know what I mean? He's such a good guy um, and amazing athlete and has done wonders for, for the sport. So, 100%. Well, you know, Steven, if you guys actually had a fight closed gym, you know, with no cameras, no, no reporters, you know, nobody like me watching this fight who's going to talk about it on the radio and all over the airwaves. You know, I think that if you guys actually did a closed door fight, I got a feeling that you'd be the victor, man. I feel like I feel like you finally get that victory against Tyrone right there and then, Steven. Let's go, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. You know, the welterweight division is, is becoming more exciting, you know, by the day, it seems like. You know, we have MVP Michael Vedden Page who has been making a lot of noise, you know, around the MMA world, especially around the UFC. I know nothing is set in stone, but that would be pretty cool to see you fight Michael Venom Page if he gets to the UFC or a guy like Ian Gary or a guy like Shavkat Rachmanov, man. There's a lot of fun, fun stand-up fights. You know, I don't want to see you fight a grappler or a wrestler. You know, not that I don't think you're going to win or anything like that. It's just... Hey, we all know that no guy's going to want to stand in there and bang with you. So if the guy's going to grapple you, then you know what? The guy's going to be trying to do something for three straight rounds or five straight rounds of just trying to touch you and bring you down and keep you down because we all know what's going to happen if the fight stays standing. But out of all those guys I named, you know, the Rachmanovs, the Garys, the MVPs, if you could fight one of those guys who are coming up right now, which one would you want to fight? You know, these are all exciting fights right now in the welterweight division. Man, any one of those guys, to be honest with you. I mean, Michael Venom Page, and if he does come to the UFC, hats off to him. We just actually uh, kind of grew uh, a relationship together. We uh, Not too long ago, we met each other and kind of hung out. So I wouldn't say I, I would want to fight the guy because he's very, very good. But anybody that you mentioned, I mean, would be good for him or me, the Ian Garys and, the, and uh, the, those other guys that are coming up, and they're all undefeated. So anybody would be would just be an uh, an epic fight, that's for sure. We are talking to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He holds a record of 17-6-1 in his professional MMA career. He is fighting at UFC 291 this Saturday against Michelle Pereira.
You know, I haven't really asked you too much of your opponent because I know that every other person that's interviewed you has asked you all about this, but I have to do it towards the end of our interview, man. What do you think of your opponent? This guy is elusive. You know, you're fighting in Salt Lake City. The altitude is up there. We've seen Pereira gas in his previous fights, and that's not because he gasses for no reason. That's because he's doing front flips in the gym before the fight. He's doing front flips on the way, on, you know, walking into the octagon. He's doing front flips in the octagon. I don't think he's going to be doing that against you because of how high level you actually are. He has to take you seriously and he'd be a fool not to take you seriously but what do you think about your opponent man this is a high high level striker and a, and a guy who a lot of people want to watch strictly because he's a firecracker man you don't know what you're going to get yeah man we both come from a karate background he also does uh, capoeira so which is a very acrobatic martial arts style so we both are going to bring it all to the octagon this saturday man we're going to be kicking we're going to be punching he's going to be flying he's going to be i mean i expect him to do some of it but i i do believe that he's going to be a little bit more intelligent with the altitude he is known to, to fatigue but i think he's going to come into this fight very well prepared for the fight um he's a big welterweight so i feel like he's going to use his strength to try to hit me up against the cage or try to take me down so but wherever the fight goes i'll be i'll be ready for it Last question for you on the way out, man. I know that your father has so much meaning to you in your life, you know, as does mine. And, and it, it seems like in the sporting world and, and so many different sports that I watch, you know, your parents are always behind you, man. And, and they're always pushing you and they're always motivating you and they're always just rooting for you at all times. You know, talk about your dad and the meaning that he holds to you in your life and pretty much all he, he has done for you and your martial arts, our arts background, you know, from, from running the academy to him starting the academy to him putting karate, in, you know, in your backpack for lunch every single day, man. Talk about your pop real quick. Yeah, man. I mean, this guy has been in the martial arts for a very long time. He's fought back in the 70s and 80s and trained a ton of fighters. You know, he's very, very, um, you know, experienced when it comes to coaching and fighting. So I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for my pops, man. He's been there with me since day one. And, you know, I told everybody I'll do this as long as, long as nobody will let me or when my, my pop says I'm done. And when he says I'm done, that's it. You know, he knows me more than I know myself at this point. So, yeah, man, he's my everything, bro. He really is. Oh, that just gave me goosebumps, bro. So when he tells you it's time to hang it up, it's time to hang it up, is that because you don't think you're going to be able to hang it up when it's time to hang it up? Yeah, man, us being fighters, we'll do this as long as, as we can, you know. And we, sometimes we don't see um, the negative if we are taking punishment out there in the fight, but our coaches do. And it's 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 not cool, you know, it's – um, you know, kind of sad to see that some of these fighters don't have that person in their life to tell them when to stop, but, or, or they respect enough to listen to them. And but when my dad says, I'm done, yeah, man, I'm done. Cause I feel like as a fighter, we want to keep going. Well, I hope that day never comes, bro. And that's just a fan of me talking to you. I know that father time never loses, but you know what? It, it seems like you're drinking the right type of wine every single day, brother, because <laughs> you are aging like a fine wine, Steven. And, and, and I can't wait to watch you fight this Saturday, brother. Thank you so much for joining Hit the Bell. I don't want to take up any more of your time, man, but we can keep doing this for another hour, bro. I can't wait to watch you fight and uh, best of luck come, going forward, man. Thanks a million, my friend. You have a good one, brother. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Verbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You are listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. What's up, Fight Fans? Welcome back to Hit the Bell with me, Matias Bell. We've talked to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. We've talked to Mafia from Frail Coast to Coast. And now we're going to finish strong with Ben the Bane Davis. Ben Davis, former Sun Devil, lead play-by-play for Anthony Pettis FC, Empire MMA. Man, all the good stuff. You could find him on the Scrap News. Former Sun Devil from Arizona State joins Hit the Bell. Let's jump in the cage. What's up, Ben? Pumped to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Truly a pleasure. No, we're going to have a good time, man. UFC 291 is right around the corner. Had to get a guy like you on, man. I know that you're buzzing around the MMA world. Like I said, lead play-by-play for Anthony Pettis FC and Empire MMA. Yeah, I see you all over MMA Twitter. And guys, Twitter handle. Ben the Bane Davis. Go follow him at Ben the Bane Davis. I love his Twitter handle, man. You do you put up a bunch of great content. I'm honestly always laughing at the stuff that you're throwing on Twitter, man. Good stuff around the MMA world. Hey, thanks, man. It's always about having fun, you know. If we're not making jokes, I think we're uh, we're failing. <laughs> exactly, man. A breath of fresh air to sports journalism is exactly what you are, bro. And I'm glad to have you on, man. UFC 291 is on fire. The card is lit. Lots of big fights, man. Uh, tell me some of the fights that are standing out to you that you pretty much, you know, you can't you can't go to sleep because you're thinking about them all the time. Oh, I've been up for several days, brother, thinking about this card. Not only do we have an excellent main, but the prelims and early prelims are quite stacked. I know we'll talk about those top bouts, but I want to dig into one of the first fights of the evening. Miranda Maverick. Looking to bounce back. I mean, five weeks ago up in Canada against Jasmine Jasudovicius. Really tough outing for the Maverick. I thought that she uh, you know, came in there with a, a bad game plan, got controlled, and had, a, had an off night. I think she's going to rebound big in the first fight of the night at UFC 291. Um, taking it to the prelims, Darius Flowers. Gang, this guy's a killer. Nothing but first-round KOs for Mr. Flowers. And Jake Matthews, the Celtic kid, is Mr. Inconsistency. I have a hard time knowing what the hell is going to happen when Jake Matthews inside the octagon. It could be a, a, per, a performance of the night, a true statement piece for that kid's mantle, or he looks like he's never taken a striking class and is day one in the grappling department. So I'm expecting a fun fight there on the prelims. And main card, I'll tell you which one I'm looking at. It's the first one, Mr. Trailblazer Kevin Holland and the Maverick Michael Chiesa. I think that's going to be a fun affair at 170. 
Bro, I gotta say, I love how you started with the prelims, bro. You're the first guest <laughs> I ever have that spits out prelim fights, man. And I'm the I'm the I'm the prelim guy, bro. And, and, I, and I, I work with Gabo Morenci on Sirius XM one five nine six nights a week, bro. And every single time I bring up anything about the prelims, he gets like he's like, oh god, you can't trust those prelims. You can't trust this. You can't trust that, man. I love the prelims, bro. I and the fact that you said that is awesome. If Gabe was listening to this right now. And he will later. He's going to say, who the hell is that guy? And I'll tell you who the hell that guy is. That's Ben the Bay Davis, baby. Let's go. Random Maverick, yes, first fight of the night. And I like how you brought that up, man, because like you said, she had a bad game plan against Jasuda Vicious, you know, a Canadian star wrestler. You know, when I saw her trying to wrestle a wrestler, I thought to myself, why would you do that, man? You know, why, why would you try to wrestle a girl who's a top, top level wrestler? You know, that's exactly what she wants. She only grew more confident as the fight, you know, grew longer. And now she's taking on Priscilla Cachoeira. You know, is she getting in there too soon? I'm not sure. I like how you're backing her right now. Do you think she keeps this fight standing? Is that why you're confident? I think she can kind of control this fight anywhere. You know, we've seen Priscilla Cachoeira, when she gets grounded, pretty unable to get off the canvas. I mean, if you're able to take the zombie girl down, she's kind of stuck in her tomb, baby. And the Maverick has good hands as well. So I think that she's going to start slow, maybe put Priscilla down. I rate Priscilla's durability. She's a very tough individual, but she's been submitted by rear naked choke twice inside the UFC by Jillian Robertson and Valentina Shevchenko. Guess what the Mavericks done? Rear naked chokes for days throughout the career. So I think that whether or not she keeps it standing, less of a question, more of when is that RNC going to get put in? And I think it's going to be the first two rounds. Love the energy, man. Love the energy. Let's go. I'm going to stick in the prelims with you, man. I, I really am because I think there's some value at Eros Medic at plus 175. And I don't know why people keep sleeping on CJ Vergara. You know, every single time I watch CJ Vergara fight, it's almost like it should be fight of the night. The guy has a gas tank. He never gives up. Uh, 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 man, you just can't kill that guy. He's like, they're like cockroaches. You just can't kill him. Like Doc Rivers <laughs> said, man. That's CJ Vergara, man. The guy literally has almost lost a thousand times, but he always comes back and win. Do you like Vergara in this fight? And what do you think about Earl's Medic? Oh, man. See, here's the thing with Medic. He's coming up a weight class. It's a bit of a short-notice affair. And at elevation, a guy in Euros who has sometimes shown some questionable cardio. I mean, the gas tank can't be questioned for CJ. But for Euros, I'm like, eh, he's kind of got to get this one out of here early. And Semmelsberger is a well-rounded welterweight with so much power. I think that's why the line is inflated in the way that it is. Everybody loves Euros. I mean, the, the doc's in town. But I think that he's going to get a, a tough prescription on Saturday. Night. As for Vergara, it's a similarly tough fight. Vinicius Salvador is a finisher, man, and he's got some reach on him. He's got uh, five years younger, so he's a bit more spry, but it's hard to bet against Vergara. I mean, that last fight, he, put, he clocked in about, what, four miles running around the octagon surviving. So, like you said, it's a cockroach, and I don't think Vinicius is the nuke that's going to be able to get him out of there. We are talking to Ben Davis, man. We are talking UFC 291. It is on fire. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben the Bane Davis. He is the lead play-by-play -play for Anthony Pettis FC Empire MMA Flex Fight Series. Man, you could catch it all. The scrap news. Former Arizona State Sun Devil is spitting some heat right now at UFC 291. <laughs> and we're going to keep going down the line with Ben, man. Like I said, those are early prelims that we're talking about. And the fact that Ben brought it up, then it goes to show that we have to have him back on the show 
very, very soon. He's my cup of tea, and we're rocking it. And now we're going to to the real prelims, you know, to, to the fights where mostly everybody knows about because we just talked about the fights that nobody had did their homework on. So I hope you guys put out your pencil and your notes and took those notes because he even let the world know about this weight class change for Eros Medic and Semmelsberger being a hammer that he is in the division that he's supposed to be in. That is some great information right there. But we move on. Roman Kopolov had a great last fight against my homie Puna Soriano. I thought Puna was going to win this fight, but Roman really came into that fight with a knife to his neck, I guess you can say. He was not going to lose that fight. He trained for this fight, you know, like no other. He he was perfect in there against Puna. Was landing shot after shot, chose his shots correctly, wore him out, ends up finishing Puna, and not many people have been able to actually finish Puna. You know, Puna is a hammer, and Roman made it look easy, bro. And now he's a minus 200 favorite against Claudio Ribeiro. Uh, Claudio is a heavy striker, uh, an elusive guy, very intense when he walks into the octagon with his family members and everything. You know, I always like to see his walk-in. But man, Roman looks pretty good, at, I, I, you know, for this price. I don't know about the price at minus 200, but at the same time, I do think he's going to win this fight. And if my job is to pick winners, I think I got to go with Kopolov. Are you on the same page as me? What do you think about this fight? I think we're on the same page. I might just be in a different chapter. You know, I think the, the thing about Kopilov is he is a good striker, but when we think about the gas tank again, there's a little bit of a slowdown uh, in both the volume and I think the, the sophistication in the striking. Once you get out of round one with him, um, I feel like he just doesn't have as much of a, an edge. The depth is a bit gone, and especially at elevation against the guy in Claudio who has 11 wins, all of them by knockout. It's a, a tough task, right? I think that either way, this, this fight's going to end in a knockout. I just can't predict who. Copy loves great. Uh, Claudio's a, an excellent dance partner. Someone's going to sleep, and it's going to be by the hands. So the under is the way to go, Ben the Bane Davis is saying, right? Under, under one and a half, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you think I it goes think... long in a third-round knockout? What is it? Because we never know with these things. That's true. If you're getting the nitty-gritty on it, I would say fight does not go the distance. I don't want to play with the under one and a half and then get screwed by, you know, a two-minute, 40-second stoppage in round two. I've had that happen too many times, you know. So I'm done with these under one and a half. Let's just go does not go the distance. Oh, hell yeah. All right, let's do it. We move on. Derek Lewis on the prelims. What? Derek Lewis on the prelims? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Derek Lewis plus 190 right now. The line just keeps going up and up and up. Marcos Rogelio de Lima minus 230. I wonder if the line actually is moving up because of what Derek said at media day, saying that he passed out in his previous fight. You know, uh, he almost died. It was very scary for him. Every single time I hear a fighter talk about their past traumas and, and pretty much going into their new fight, this kind of tells me that their head isn't where it needs to be. And I don't know if Derek's head is where it needs to be right now. I know that he said he hasn't cut any weight and that he's feeling good. But I haven't really seen Der I haven't seen Derek's head straight for quite some time now. But he's fighting Marcos Rogelio de Lima. Uh, yeah, he's 21-9-1. and, nine and one, But uh, he's not a guy that also draws a lot of fear for me if I'm Derek Lewis. Uh, or am I wrong? Should Derek be completely worried about losing another fight? This is a big step up for DeLima. Let's not get it twisted. But the reality is he's got 15 first-round finishes. Derek Lewis, as great of a knockout specialist as he is, only has eight first-round finishes. And neither guy has competed at elevation. So the issue for me here is going to be cardio. Are we going to see a scenario where these guys come out swinging? Or are they going to gas? 
in Salt Lake City, and we get a 15-round boring affair. Derek Lewis has shown he could do that before, right? Just be really low volume and extend it to the scorecards. But with the recent results, and like you mentioned, his head's kind of in the wrong place. I think that this is going to be another quick stoppage. I don't, I don't think Derek likes getting hit, and Marcos is certainly going to lay some paws on him, and I'm pretty sure Lewis is going to pull. The men of the hour, let's go. We keep rolling. The schmo <laughs> and the pro. This time, I'm the schmo and Ben is the pro, bro. And we move on. Tony Ferguson is in there this weekend. Lots of people are thinking, oh, why is he fighting? You know, he should have retired. He goes in there at plus 310 against Bobby Green. You know, I think Bobby Green might have got another tattoo on his face, you know, going into this fight. I'm not sure. We're going to find out on Saturday. But Tony Ferguson, Bobby Green, man, what a slobber knocker of an affair. What do you think in this fight? Can you back Ferguson in any way? I can't. I simply can't. I think this is a situation where we are taking the old dog out behind the barn and we're loading the shotgun here. I think this is it. I mean, Bobby Green is not an easy task for anybody, and he's only been fighting some really serious competition. I recognize that the Jared Gordon fight, there's a lot of mixed results to take away from, but he was busting up Drew Dober beforehand, and yes, Islam Makachev speed, you know, speed ran through him. That's what he's done to a lot of people, so I think Green is still a very competent lightweight, and I think Tony Ferguson is just really not there. I mean, his last performance against Nate Diaz was leaving a lot to be desired. Did he get the leg kicks going? Sure, uh, but every Everything else looks bad. And here's the other big problem that I have with Tony Ferguson, the scar tissue. You know, he was getting lacerated like nobody's business against Diaz. Bobby Green's going to be touching you with straight shots. I can see a doctor stoppage. I can see a cut popping up somewhere and the doc saying, no can do, El Kikui. Your face is sliding off. It's going to be game over. Ooh, scar tissue, Nate Diaz, nightmares going on for Tony Ferguson. Yeah, man, you know what? That's why you can't back him. You just can't trust it. You can't even trust this. Even if he gets punched in the face, like you said, you know, a lot, you're going to have scar tissue that's going to bust open, and then then the judge and the ref has to stop it. It's, it's as simple as that. There's no way we can back Tony Ferguson. Do you think this fight goes over two and a half rounds? I, I think it ends within two rounds. I don't see this one going 10 minutes. Um, for Tony's got a tendency these days to get outstruck in a big way, and Bobby Green has outstruck his last 12 out of 13 opponents. So it's overwhelming volume versus a guy who just can't hang anymore, which is tough to say. I mean, we love El Kukui. This guy is a, a true legend of that lightweight class, but his day's been gone for a couple of years now. We move on with Ben Davis, and I got to get your take on this fight, man. I, we just talked to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's feeling damn good for this fight, but I got to ask you, bro, because he's fighting Michelle Pardeda, an elusive guy, and he's fighting at altitude. I love how you keep bringing up the fact that we're fighting in Salt Lake City, and the altitude is real. I used to play soccer in college in New Mexico from L.A., Guess what? My first training camp, college training camp in New Mexico in the altitude, I cramped after the first two miles, Ben. I'm not even joking with you. I was bleeding from the inside. I had no idea why. I asked my coach, what the hell is going on, coach? He said, welcome to the altitude, fat boy. And that's just the way that it goes. Yeah. <laughs> 18 years old, bro. You know, uh, was I a complete monster in shape? Hell no. But at the same time, I could run because I was a soccer player. But that's one thing that I learned. Running in the altitude and training in the altitude is no joke, and it will hit you in the face if you, if you arrive too early, man. you got to arrive in the altitude 
weeks before your fight, you know, a week and a half before your fight. You got to be training in that altitude and you got to be ready to rock. Do you think that this altitude affects, affects Michelle Pereira in any way? Because we've seen this guy, uh, we've seen this guy run out of gas multiple times, Ben. Here's the thing, and it's tough that I'm following Wonderboy's interview because I am unfortunately going to be picking against him. Now, Wonderboy, Stephen Thompson, I've worked with him at Karate Combat. He is truly one of the nicest individuals you'll ever meet. But the reality is he's 40 years old. Michelle Padilla is only 29, which is crazy to think because he's got 41 professional fights, but he is south of 30. And statistically, when you are 10 years younger than your opponent, you've got like a win percentage of 80%. It's ridiculous. So, yes, while Michelle has had some gas tank problems in the past, he's quietly put together a five-fight win streak with four of those going to the scorecards. So what I love to see after that Tristan Connolly fight where he was way too risky and way too flashy and got grounded and just was blown out, you know, in the stamina department, he learned. He learned and adjusted, and he adapted. He's mixed in the takedowns, right? Seven takedown attempts, or landed seven out of the last 13 takedown attempts over his last five fights. So I like the evolution of Michel Pereira, and I think it's going to continue here. We've seen Wonderboy struggle with the grappling before by guys like Bilal and Gilbert. I think Michel's going to recognize that elevation. I can't be risky. I can't be flashy. I got to get on the inside of this sophisticated striker, put his ass on the mat, and keep him there. Kevin Holland learned the hard way what happens when you try and outstrike a guy like Wonder Boy. And I think Michelle Pereira recognizes I'm not as good as him at striking. I got to go to my other tools and shift. So I anticipate Michelle Pereira making a very boring fight where he's just grappling, clinching his way to a decision victory. All right. The Pereiras are in the house. We move to the co-main event. Because we moved to Alex Pereira, you know, his brother from another mother, Alex Pereira, <laughs> fighting on Jan Blahovitz, man. The Pereira brothers, the Pereira cousins, the Pereira, whatever you want to call it, is in Salt Lake City. But, man, he's fighting a guy in Jan Blahovitz who, who is a hammer, a Polish hammer up there, man. Do you think he gets the, the job done with his hands, or do you think Jan takes us to the ground and suffocates him? What's your pick? If I'm the 40-year-old Polish incumbent Jan Blachowicz, I am getting to the hips immediately. I'm grounding Alex Perea and just smothering him. Either a TKO or a submission is what I envision for the former light heavyweight champion. Listen, if Israel Adesanya can look like a D1 collegiate wrestler against you, guess what Jan Blachowicz is going to be able to do up a weight class? Jan is a big 205-er. And here's the other X factor in this fight that really concerns me for this co-main event. Alex Perea was unconscious three months ago. He was dead. He was out. You know, and coming back up a weight class against a very heavy hitter, I don't think that he should have come back this soon. I would have liked to see him maybe near the end of the year, but I feel stylistically this is just a mountain to overcome for the Brazilian. And yes, does he have stone hands? Unquestionably. Does that left hook affect Jan Blachowicz? Has it been a pathway to victory before against him? Sure, but I just don't see him landing it. I see Blachowicz just destroying Alex Perea. We're on the same page, Ben. We're on the same damn page, bro. I think so too. I think the the, the proof is on the wall with uh with with Israel Adesanya and what happened to him when he moved up in weight. You know, I, I think the the game plan is set in stone. We just have to wait and see. We move on to the main event, the BMF belt. Jorge Masvidal, Woo! get ready to wrap your belt around somebody else, man. Around some. Is it gonna be Dustin Poirier? Is it gonna be Justin Gaethje? Woo! 
really? I don't know. But eh, you know what? If, if I had to put my money on it, I think I do know. Because I'm going to go with Poirier. I think Poirier gets it done again. 3-0 and in rematches. What do you think, Ben? I'm on the same page. Let's go with the lucky Louisiana. Uh, you know, each guy's 34, so they're really approaching that age where athletically, you know, maybe they're not as sharp as they once were in the 20s, but here's the big difference, the technique. I think Dustin Poirier has an unbelievable offensive arsenal, and he mixes it up so much better than Justin Gaethje. I rewatched their first fight a couple days ago, and it stunned me how little success Justin Gaethje had outside of the leg kicks. That was his only tactic the entire fight, and he was eating counter after counter. Poirier was teeing off to the body with kicks and just huge hooks and uppercuts to the head. Like, the diversity and strikes that Dustin's going to bring Saturday night is going to overwhelm Justin Gaethje, in my opinion, because I don't think he's evolved that much the last five years. Did he find the jab in round number three against Rafael Fazif? Yes, he did. Before that, what was he trying to do? Not a whole heck of a lot. And Poirier, on the other hand, I feel has fought some better competition. They fought a lot of the same guys. Let's, let's get that clear. But the names that aren't similar, I feel Poirier's had some tougher tasks. And again, he knocked him out before. Baby, I think he does it again. Woo! You've heard it from Ben the Ben Davis. We're going to finish strong with Ben right now. New fight announcements pop off today. And let me spit him out to you guys right now. Number six, Rafael Fiziev, who Ben just named, who fought Justin Gaethje coming off of a loss. He gets Matus Gamrot, the number six lightweight in the world. Also, the homie Dan Dynamite Ige. That's right, Dan Dynamite Ige. Told us in 2018 <laughs> that he wanted to fight Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell. There's some heat there. There's been some heat for a long time. The casual fan doesn't even know this yet. But man, there's been some heat with Bryce Mitchell and Dan Ige for a long time now. Dan told me a long time ago that this fight was going to happen. It's just not going to happen right now. Well, you know what? It's 2023, and the fight announcement that we've been waiting for finally came out. Dan Dynamite Ige against Bryce Thugnassi Mitchell. Can't wait for the lead-up into this fight. Can't wait to see the psychological warfare that goes on behind this fight. And I wonder what's going to happen, man. Dan's going to need to work on his takedown defense you know, for this fight, but I think he's going to get this done, man. What do you think of the new fight announcements? Man, September 30, 23rd is going to deliver in a big way. Uh, I don't really see a lot of path to victory for Bryce Mitchell, right? A guy whose personality has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I think Dan Ige is positioned to not replicate what Ilya Tapora did, because I think that Ige and Tapora are quite different, but I feel it's going to look a bit similar. I think Mitchell's going to struggle on the feet and be kind of out-grappled. I love 50K on the mat. I think that he's a really slick grappler, and um, I just, I don't know. I mean, Bryce Mitchell was contemplating retirement after that Ilya finish. And that's, again, we talk about headspace. That's not what I want to hear from a fighter coming back against a dog in Dan Ige. I just don't see it going his way. Fazeev and Gamera, listen, Rafael passed the grappling test against RDA. I was very impressed with how he dealt with the pressure and dealt with the grappling of the former lightweight champ. And I don't really see where Gamera can do any better. You know, it's just that chain wrestling that I think Fazeev's going to pass, and I think he's going to KO Mateusz Gamera. Woo, we could keep doing this for another hour, Ben, but I got to stop you right there, man, because we got to get you on in the future. You're going to run out of gas, brother. You're going to run out of gas, and I don't want to see that, man. Ben the Bane Davis, lead play-by-play -play for Anthony Pettis FC, Empire MMA, Flex Fight Series. Go follow him on Twitter, at Ben the Bane Davis. Go send him some Arizona State stuff. Go have some fun with Ben. Thank you so much for joining Hit the Bell, man. It's a pleasure having you on, and I can't wait to have you on again, brother. We've been rocking it. Hey, it's a true pleasure, sure. I'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Ben the Bane Davis, everybody. Y'all stay tuned. We will be back with the best bets and more. Tennis is not over, guys. So get ready. FIFA Women's World Cup, it's all coming here. Up next.
You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to Hit the Bell with Matthias Burbell on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Welcome back to Hit the Bell with me, Matthias Burbell. Man, the end of the show is here and we have to come to a close, but I have to give a special thank you to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, UFC welterweight that jumps in the octagon this Saturday at UFC 291. It's going to be on fire. Also, Ben the Bane Davis, big thank you to the lead play-by-play guy at Anthony Pettis MMA and Empire MMA. The guy has been on fire around the MMA world. Go follow him on Twitter at Ben the Bane Davis. And also, big mahalo to Brian Ciano, Sports Grid's own. You could hear him on Pharrell Coast to Coast Monday through Friday. He gave us his best bets and broke down UFC 291 via the gambling angle. And we wrote down all of his plays because I'm feeling Mafia is going to be on fire this Saturday. So y'all stay tuned. With all these guests and go follow them on Twitter. Go follow me on Twitter at HipperBell. I'll be giving up the greatest MMA content, the latest news. We're going to be giving away all these picks on Twitter on Saturday at HipperBell. Go follow me, guys. And we're going to end with tennis futures like we always do. Because last week, I told you that Andre Rublev was going to win the Bastad tournament. And that he was going to play Casper Ruud in the finals. And to go take Andre at plus 550 while you still could. Guess what? He won. And he beat Casper Ruud in the finals. We nailed it, guys. And that means the confidence is riding high. We step back onto the tennis court right now. Hamburg tournament. ATP Hamburg, I think Alexander Zverev is going to take this tournament in his home country of Germany. You know, he's had these allegations thrown onto him last week, and I thought that he was going to suck this week because of all the news surrounding Alexander Zverev in the negative light. But at the same time, his last two matches have been anything short of weak sauce. He has been flawless. He has been killing it. He has been playing pissed off. And you know what? I think it's his time. I think it's time to win this tournament, and I also think it's time to him to show the world that he has recovered fully from that vicious ankle injury that he had in the major final against Rafael Nadal. You know, this happened about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago, and now Alexander Zverev is back at the top of his game, and he's playing with some fire, man. So go play his future bet for ATP Hamburg. Also, let's go to the States. Let's go back to our country, the U.S. Hey, and we go to the Atlanta Open in Atlanta. Lots of Americans playing in this tournament. I like one American to win this tournament. And I think it's going to be Chris Eubanks. 
You you could catch his price at plus five hundred to win the Atlanta Open, and he has been playing with some fire. You know, uh, I feel like I've been saying fire a lot on this episode because it's UFC two ninety one. So yeah, we're on fire. But man, Chris Eubanks has been on fire. He man, that deep run that he had at Wimbledon, he looked like a brand new player. And we just saw him play at the Atlanta Open again this week, and he looked flawless against Nakashima. Except now, even in the first set, he lost the first set tiebreaker seven six, and then he comes back and smokes him two sets in a row he takes the victory over nakashima 2-1 and now he keeps rolling on plus 500 chris eubanks you know I, i'm gonna i have to, I, how do i how do i bet against him man he went to georgia tech he's playing at home he's feeling good he's got the crowd and his backhand has been electric i gotta keep rolling with chris eubanks in this tournament and if it's not chris eubanks i gotta go with the former champ Alex Demonar at plus 350. Alex Demonar, man, he must have served under 30% against Thanasis Kokinakis in his first match at the Atlanta Open. He still figured out how to win the game in straight sets. Man, we're talking about one of the best defensive players on the ATP Tour. And I see him doing it again over here, man. I, I, I see the finals either being Chris Eubanks or Alex Demonar. And, and if that's the case, ooh. It's going to be hard to beat Eubanks on a final at home. But Alex Demonar, he is the man to do it, if anything. So I like value in both of those plays. Plus 350, plus 500 Chris Eubanks. If we get to the finals, then cheerio, mate. We did it. You know, let, let's roll with that. Alex Demonar, Chris Eubanks, future plays for the Atlanta Open. Let's hope that everything goes right like it did for us last week in Bastad. All right, guys, that is it for me. We will be back next week. More great guests, more MMA talk. More news around the MMA world, more tennis futures, all that and more on Hit the Bell with me, Matias Burbell. Listen to me Monday through Friday and Sunday nights with Gabriel Morenci on Sirius XM Channel 159 and through the Sports Grid Radio Networks. That's right, guys. We'll catch you next time. Aloha. got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.